You're listening to Steelers Nation Radio, SNR, WDVE HD2, Pittsburgh. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Where's your headset? You got not like no earbuds. You got I earbuds. Got these, in. I got these Apple things, you know. What a, uh, All right. Apple things. So, so pull back the curtain here. All right, let me cut the music. We're gonna jump right. We're, we're like cold opening this show like this is SNL. Absolutely, I love it. this is the way we rock in the locker room. Okay. So Wolf has the over the ear fancy. They're studio my Jimmy Olsen, you know, Sony headphones. Superman, right? yeah, that's old school. I've got the, if you bought an iPhone in the last 15 years, the little pair that comes for free in the Apple box. So here's what it is, Wolf. Um, I wear headphones here, you know, for like four hours straight. Okay. Because I do, I do, you know, with, with you and Max, I produce in the locker room and sometimes co-host like I am You're today. You're rather busy, young And then man. I do the show with Moats. And just for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe my ears just aren't built like that. But I can't wear the over-the-ear headphones for four hours. Like, it just starts hurting my ears. And I wear glasses like you, too. And so it, like, pinches on my – it just – I don't know. For whatever reason, when I'm in it for the long haul – You know what it these, is? You don't have cauliflowered ears. See, <laughs> look at my ears. They're all cauliflowered up yeah, you from probably, pulling helmets. You, off and you all probably, the years cannot, of you probably can't wrestling. hear anything if you have these little no, Apple AirPods. Well, not so. only that, they get irritated because <laughs> they get stuck in your ear canal. You know, they go down there and they hang out. You know, and before you know it, they're like, uh, they're just <laughs> part of you. And you're walking around yeah. and you forget you got the stupid things in. Kind of like wearing a hat all day, and then you take yeah, the hat. You're like, "Where's exactly. my hat? Oh, it's on my head." Yeah. But see, if you had good cauliflower ears like I do, all right, then then you got padding to be able to pad up oh, with these old old school Jimmy Olsen headsets you, you know, know what I mean? you're absolutely right and maybe that's that was my problem you know as we were talking yesterday about all my, my glory days of playing football exactly. and, and hockey i should have just wrestled as well and too, then you were and the enforcer my... <laughs> i mean this is what i was you you told me you were 30 pounds heavier you're a bench press champion you were just you know and i'm looking well, i got I a couple pictures now of you, one in a hockey uniform. Oh yeah, and you're looking pretty intimidating. You're you giving like that, that. You like that scowl I got on my face? You're there. looking Sean Sweezum scowl. Okay, I mean the goon. You <laughs> so know the former kicker for the Steelers. Our favorite Canadian, of course. Yes. It's uh, it's funny how these things work. Yesterday on the show, you and Max were were laughing, right? We were talking about me playing hockey and football and how I wanted to be Joey Porter. And yeah, I'm sure you were real intimidating, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so last night, my mom comes over to see our two little girls. You know, I have two daughters both under the age of two right now it's a it's a little hectic but fortunately the grandparents are a huge help and uh, my mom came over last night just it's been a few days since she'd seen the girls wanted to you know just say hello hang out for a little bit and uh, she brought over a box of old pictures and said I found these when I was going through stuff keep the ones that you want throw away what you don't you know type thing and uh, I'm thumbing through there and just sure enough, there's some of my youth football and some of my youth hockey pictures in there. So I go, oh, I got to bring these in for Wolf to check out. I mean, look at that. Look at that tight end stud number 84 I right know. there, baby. All American. Look at that. I Looking mean, the, very Heath Miller like, except for the pencil neck. 
and the needle arms. Let me, seriously, you could take your helmet and you could like smack it and spin it around on your head, couldn't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you could look out your ear hole in the front. Well, well, if I had to be constantly putting air in my helmet the whole game <laughs> so it wasn't falling off. Oh, it's beautiful. Great memories, I'll man. To, I'll have to tweet these out. Yeah. You know what's so funny? I went from in junior varsity, I was a fullback, okay? Okay. All right, and so I go, I'm, I'm up on the varsity now, my 11th, uh, 11th grade, and uh, I says to Mr. Winky, uh, my head coach, oh, I go, uh, I'm a fullback. He goes, no, you're an offensive lineman. I go, no, I'm not. I'm a fullback. Now, he, he played at Syracuse University, played with the great – uh, Jim Brown, yep. or not, was Jim Brown before? Uh, Ernie bit, Davis. Ernie Davis. Ernie Davis. Yes. Yep. Okay, well, Jim Brown was there, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, anyhow, regardless. Uh, played back in in the heyday of the Orange up there at Syracuse when they won the national title and every, everything. Um, but anyhow, so he says to me, no, you're you're an offensive lineman. I go, no, I'm a fullback. And he and he goes, all right, I'll make you a deal. All right, you're going to be the you're going to be a fullback until the first time you fumble the very next play, and I mean the very next play. You're going to the you're line. You're going to the offensive line. Well, he was true to his word. I fumbled. Next play. How many plays? Next play you fumbled. How many plays did you last? <laughs> I, I think of like half a game or a game. That's something not like. bad. That's no, not no. Bad. But the funny part is when you line up with number thirty four jersey <laughs> on the <laughs> offensive, offensive line. Tackle. <laughs> Everyone's looking at you like going. Wait, what happened? Here? Like, Did you just join the team? Was that the only jersey that was just, left? I, I lost a bet. Essentially, is that's what it great. was. Yes. Yeah, so that's anyhow, great. That's, that's how, like Teddy Bridgewater. Did you see this? Was wearing the number fifty in preseason for the Lions. Quarterback wearing number fifty. Wow. You want to talk about a weird sight? That was not something I expected to see on the NFL field. <laughs> if I played to that, I'd, I'd go for the gym auto double zero. Yeah. That yeah yeah, or just a singular zero. You know what I mean? I like when, the singular zero. I don't know how I feel about the the, the double, double zero. The double but, zero. But that was that was uh, the old uh, what was it? Who was it? George Blanda? I think so. No, Jim Otto. What right? I just said. Jim no, Jim Otto. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wait, a minute, I got all goofed up here. I started out thinking rating myself. There's yeah. te- there's Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy in, the, Bridgewater. in the fifty jersey throwing the football. How <laughs> weird does that look? That is really wild. <laughs> I remember when the NFL deregulated all these numbers, and Tom Brady came out and said, "Hey man, you're making life really miserable. Yeah. It's harder to identify positions, and right? Every, yeah, well, because of gotta... the influx. Of, see, back in the day, they didn't run personal groupings like like they do now. I mean, you know, you you would. <laughs> You, you 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 know substitute some guys here and there, but you but weren't leaving the field. It wasn't the often. mass. Yeah, there wasn't exodus. the sub package. Yes. And, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And you got defensive linemen wearing number nine, and linebackers wearing number eight. Right, and, right. Yeah, no. Listen, I hesitate particularly on this radio station to give Tom Brady any type of uh. Yeah, really. Come on, re- don't be re- a mental midget, Tom. Yeah, exactly. But for a guy who had been in the league, is I mean, he'd yeah. been in the league what since like the 1700s. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> I can I can understand where he's coming from on that one. That would be confusing. It, it, yes, I, I think it does have validity in in reference to the fact that so many guys, you know, um, running in and out with the packages, it made it's got to make life more difficult for the quarterbacks and recognizing who's playing what and so forth, but. Regardless, that's for another subject. I do like the pictures. That was pretty cool. You know, we got to see the young Wes, you know, in, in battle regalia. Full, that's right. Full battle regalia. And, and all my equipment, baby. That's I can still hear my dad saying, like, 
You could have played baseball or something. You could have played basketball or something. You had to play football and <laughs> hockey, the two sports with the most equipment. I had to go pick up lacrosse while you're at it. Yeah, did you play lacrosse? So, you know what's funny is uh, I went to Mars High School, which is about a half an hour north here right. of Pittsburgh. Graduated in 2009 from high school, and we did not even have a lacrosse program. Not, not club, not JV varsity, nothing. If you wanted to play lacrosse, you had to go to... Um, like Pine Richland or Shadyside Academy or one of those places because there were only a few schools. It sounds crazy because lacrosse is pretty big around here now. Uh, but, you know, just 15 years ago, we didn't even have it not as a, a varsity sport, not as a club sport, nothing. Fast forward now, Wolf, the men's and women's teams at Mars have both won state championships recently. No kidding. My sister played lacrosse at Mars. They won the Whippeal Championship her junior year. The boys just won states last year and are one of the – they didn't even have a program 15 years ago. So uh, I did not play lacrosse, but I do, I like my sister was really into it, and she still kind of is a little bit now. She's in college. Um, so, like, I have a lacrosse stick, and I kind of, you know, when we go to the beach and stuff, uh, I'll take it, and my sister and mm-hmm. I will we'll, we'll mess around. But never, uh, never played it as, you know, in a organized capacity. My son, Kyle Jacob, um, he, he played lacrosse. And I, I'm it's watching. crazy. It is. It's a it's, fun sport to watch. Yeah, it, but it's it's hockey without skates. It's hockey without skates. You know, I it's mean, a little hockey. It's a little football. Yeah, there's, there's some basketball there's some craziness in there too. To like it. it really is, and it's, it's very punishing. I mean, oh. they can they whack each other with those sticks like you can't believe that. Was, you know what? It's funny. I was just gonna say that was the the thing that surprised me the most when you know. Uh, it was right around the time that uh, my wife, you know, my wife and I moved back from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh in 2018, and that was right around the time that my sister was like a sophomore in high school, you right. know, and, and really getting into lacrosse. And I remember when we first started going to the games, like they would have the boys' games at six and the girls' games at 7:30 or something like that. You know what I mean? So the boys played right before the girls did. And I remember the first couple times going and being like. Holy crap! You can use your stick as a weapon. I mean, they tee, oh, yeah. they tee off like you do that in hockey, and that like, you're kicked out of the game. That's a you know you're getting suspended if you use your stick as a weapon. In lacrosse, it's like the referee's standing there, and the guy is just wailing on the other one, <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> like he's taking batting off. practice. And I'm I like, know. all right, well now I see why they wear all that equipment. <laughs> well, I bring it up because my son, uh, of course, also went to West Point. And uh, at West Point, he was a, a he went well. First of all, he graduated with honors, and he went uh, completed missions and so forth, and then went back as a professor at West Point. And I've still yet to find out if he ever had Elijah Riley in his class. Ooh, so I got to go. talk to Elijah. I've not talked to him if he's ever had Professor Wolfley because Kyle <laughs> Kyle Jacob is a major in the army. Um, thank we gotta God. get a lot. We gotta get Elijah on the show one of these. Yeah, one of we these gotta, days. we have to talk. You know, yeah. so a little kibitzing here. Yeah, you know? we'll, we'll corner him on the plane when we're going to Vegas in a couple <laughs> weeks. Okay, you, you, you. I need to talk to you. Yeah, I just like. Okay, who is this weirdo? Hey, uh, my son went to West Point. Yeah. Hey, we, would you come on the show, please? Well, he's a West Pointer, <laughs> and and Elijah's a West Pointer. You know, one of the, the greatest sayings is that for a football player, a West Point football player. Practice is the easiest part of their day. Absolutely, you know. I've and, heard that before. Yeah, and I, I want to, I want to talk to Elijah and get his view on it. But you know that he made this team was was terrific. You know, I mean, I'm glad to see him make it. Now, uneasy rests ahead that bears the crown, right? Sure. Because you've got an influx of defensive backs they're pulling in, put they're stocking on the on the uh, practice squad and everything. But you know, he's made the, the the roster, and it has to be a big thing. And you know what? Why don't we take a listen? To Elijah Riley, who I'm, I'm becoming a big fan of, watching him do some of the stuff he does out there. Silence was a good thing for me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you know, just kind of 
took the days and went, and then once four o'clock hit and I didn't get a call, yeah, that's when I, you know, started checking social <laughs> media and stuff. And was like, yeah, you know, I was, I was, I was very happy to be a part of the team. Well, now that you're here, what do you think's next? What, what do you envision your role being, or what did they, what have they, I guess, told you about? Yeah, you know, um, special, special teams. I want to be, you know, uh, Nick guy on special teams for for this group. Uh, I want to be reliable wherever I'm put. Um, Defensively, you know, whatever role I get put into, I want to be reliable, you know, consistent. Um, and if I could be a Swiss Army knife of sorts, play with plug and play type of guy, then so be it. I'll, I'll do that very well. When did you have a good indication you were going to make this team? Um, you know, nothing's guaranteed in this business. I, uh, each day, you know, I went out there and just put, put my best foot forward, especially on game day. You know, that's, that's, that's the film. That's, that's what really matters. So, uh, you know, started stacking some, some good games, some plays on specials and defense. And, you know, I didn't hang my hat on that, but like I said, once I didn't get that phone call, I was, I was feeling good. You think the biggest thing for you is maybe versatility or yeah. flexibility? One of, I mean, one of the two, I know a lot of these guys have been saying that. Yeah, you know, I think that's something that's worked to uh, my advantage um, is my ability to play multiple positions. Uh, given the opportunity, I want to hone in on a, on a specific role and kind of detail it and, you know, perfect my craft in that sense. And while, while I'm in the situation I'm in, whatever role I'm putting, I'm going to work, put the work necessary to maximize it. Coming into the summer, is there any thought that you and Chandon could both stick around and make the team? You know, that's, that's, that's the goal is to have, you know, you want to see everybody stay around. Um, but at the end of the day, it was a competitive spot. Uh, I'm happy my dog's still on the team, you know. Uh, get to do it together. Appreciate you. Um, and... You know, it's a dope opportunity. You know, whoever gets the spot, you know, we're going to big him up, make sure he gets the job done for that day. And it's cool. Did you, was there a moment where you guys started to realize, like, oh, maybe both of us could stick around this season? We were talking a little bit the other day. And then uh, yesterday, after 4 o'clock, he called me up and was like, congrats, bro. I was like, oh, that's dope. Congrats to you, too. First time making the active. So it was like, it's something yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about. You know, we asked you a lot about yourself. What stands out to you just about this team, this group of players that you guys have assembled now that all 53 are, are locked in? Yeah, you know, it's a team uh, of brothers. For I think I think a lot of guys are locked in on getting to know one each other, caring about each other more than just the fact that we share a locker room. And, you know, that's a beautiful thing. Football is a sport that I really appreciate because it requires everybody to participate, everybody to be on their stuff. And, you know, relationships kind of keep it going. So if I could trust you, trust the guy next to me, um, then, you know, we're almost guaranteed to be successful. You know, and I love the way the young man talks about it and about the trust factor because as a student at West Point, you learn all about that. The 100%. leadership, the trust in the man to your right, the trust in the man to your left. You know, and I find it very cool just listening to him talk about that. And then he goes on to talk about he, he could be a Swiss Army knife. And it yeah. brings me back to... Jim Crash Jensen, the original human Swiss Army knife, back in nineteen the early eighties. Okay? okay. Okay. Now you gotta understand this guy was he was about six five and you know, two ten, something like say, that. Say say his name one more time here. Jim Jensen. J E N S E N. All right. And they I'm used gonna, to call I'm him I'm gonna look this Crash. Up. All right. He was the third string quarterback. He had a neck roll on. <laughs> He's a quarterback, number 11. There you go. All right, you got it. Just draw him up. He's He's got a neck roll. He's a quarterback. He's a tight end. He's playing, um, you know, a special teams. So we're down in Miami. That's uh, Tunch and I, right? We're on Thursday night ball. Sure, sure. We're on the punt team. Tunch is, I'm, I'm, I'm semi-contained. I got to go up the hash marks. Tunch is contained. He's out to the numbers. All right? You can't let anything get by. Well, Tommy Vigorito, the, the punt returner for, for the Dolphins, just smoked us. 
I got ear holed by this guy, Jim Crash Johnson. <laughs> now imagine, if you will, the trepidation I'm feeling as I go into the films on Tuesday, knowing that I got ear holed or T boned by a guy named Jim Johnson, all right, who wears number eleven. Okay. He's he's a third string quarterback. I am running down Whoa. the field. I am 275 pounds. I don't see this guy, and I am plowing up Orange Bowl turf with my face well, mask. Hey, he's six four two fifteen. I mean, he's well, no slouch either. I'm sorry, but that that's just not real big. Okay, that's even not. then. Okay, but but here here you go. Chuck's running the film because Chuck was our special teams okay, coach. Okay. All right, because he that was his deal until he finally gave it up midway through the eighties. So there I am in the darkness, and Chuck is running it back and forth. And Tunch gets Tommy Figueroa ran around him, but before Tommy runs around Tunch, who's contained, I'm at semi-contained. I'm flying down the field, and all of a sudden there I am in living color, plowing up the turf. Right, <laughs> and Chuck shuts off the. The, the film projector, and it's silent. It's like in church, and it's dark, right? And Chuck Chuck just says very, very coldly, he goes, that's a mighty small number, knocking somebody a bigger number <laughs> a big down. big number yeah. down. <laughs> and everybody knew exactly what was going oh, on. Of course. Oh, it was terrible. Look, I mean, you're right, though. This guy, I mean, it says on his Wikipedia page, he was he's known as the human Swiss Army knife with a knack for making tackles on punt and kickoff coverage. Yep. And converting third down opportunities as a running back, wide receiver, uh, and an offensive set with Dan Marino. So he is listed as a quarterback, wide receiver, running back, and tight end. Oh, yeah, we see that all the time now in the NFL. (laughs) But see, this is in 1982, I think it was. Yeah. 81, somewhere in there. Uh, 81 to 92, he played. 81, okay. Yeah, so anyhow. An 11th round pick out of Boston University. I was victimized by the crash. Listen, well, this guy, this, guy had, this guy had an 11-year NFL career. He oh, was yeah. clearly doing oh, no, something. He was doing something right. I may, I'm just that's, making a joke about though. it. Because it reminds me of Elijah Riley talking about being that human Swiss Army knife, sure. which, by the way, was Trey Norwood's sort of modus yes, operandi, if you remember, before he didn't make the cut, which, yep. you know, the problem for Trey was he, he couldn't compete. You know, I mean, his, his ankle was messed up, his foot was messed up, whatever it was, and he wasn't able to compete. And a guy, one man's misfortune is another man's fortune, is it not? Absolutely, particularly in this game, right, where, I mean, it's it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you're going to get an opportunity due to an injury if you're a guy like Elijah Riley. You know, we saw that for Kenny Robinson as well, too, when there was some safety unavailability early on there in camp. Um, you got to be positioned. You got to be ready. You got to stay ready so you don't have to get ready, right, when you are those guys. And you heard Elijah Riley there. Um, he's been grinding away at this for a few years, and this is the first time that he's started a season on the initial 53-man active roster. He's started on practice squads. He's been called right. up. He's been called up to the roster for games, but this is the first time he's started. He's made that initial 53-man roster, and you know, Wolf and I were watching the video element of that interview as well too. You can find that on Steelers.com if, if you want to see, but. You can just see the pride and the beaming in his face as he says that, as he shares that with the media. That you know, this is the first time I ever made the the initial act of fifty three. Um, he's put in the work. He's waited for that opportunity, and you know, fortunately for him, he was able to capitalize on it this this summer. Well, he manifested a great preseason. I mean, we saw him on the special teams making tackles, you know, out in the open on the punt coverage team, you know, doing his work on the kickoff, whatever. 
special teams he was called upon, but he also did yeoman's work in the in the secondary, lining up competing with Chandon Sullivan yep. at that nickel slot. And you know, let me say. Chandon tipping the ball and intercepting it to himself. A very T.J. Waddish type play. Pretty good. That's difficult to compete with. You know (laughs) what I mean? But he did because he also had an interception, had a couple PBUs, you know, watching him. But his, in in my mind, Chandon Sullivan, Elijah Riley is kind of like Mike Hilton back in the day when Cam Sutton and he were splitting those, those, uh, the nickel slot duties, run heavy downs, go to Michael, the pass heavy downs go to Cam, mm-hmm. but the problem was that Michael was—he was such a great blitzer. He really was. You know, he really was. Yep. And I, I think that's something Elijah's got to learn. I think he's got to find out. Is uh, uh, Terrell Edmonds always used to tell me? He said, "Yeah, Hilton had the the cloak of invisibility. You know, he would get amongst those six eight guys. He would. They would never see him, and he'd flash by him, yep. and he'd never see him. Yep. He was he was elusive in that regard. He was. He was like, I don't know." like a predator hanging out in in the jungle, you know what I mean? Just waiting to pounce free. But, yeah, you're right. Listen, there is some – I like that comparison by you. You know, these guys are young. These guys are unproven. But you know what? Once upon a time, Mike Hilton and Cam Sutton were as as well, too. You know, Mike Hilton was an undrafted guy. Yes, he was. Who had to fight and earn his way. You know, didn't step right into the league and was suddenly a lock to make a roster every single year. First discovered in OTAs. First discovered in OTAs. Yep. So, that's, again, how it starts for a lot of these guys – and uh, I'm with you. I think Elijah Riley has a chance to, obviously, on special teams where we've seen it, uh, but to carve out a role for himself on this defense as well, too. Looking forward to commiserating with the man, seeing uh, you know what he's got to say. But I do know this. We have a special treat today, folks, because we are going to have my sister-in-law, Kathleen Mansfield, Wolfley, all right, the daughter, the oldest daughter of the Ranger, the old Ranger, a Hall of Honor recipient, 14-year veteran, a guy who played for the Steelers, was the starting center in Super Bowl 74 and 75 uh, back in uh, 9 and 10 there. And um, we're going to hear from her at the at the top of the hour at 11 o'clock. And I'm very excited because uh, I was always – I loved the old Ranger. I mean, this, this guy was so cool. When I um, – the first time I saw I, – I, I got to meet him was at a uh, – uh, he was at the um, Dapper Dan thing, yep. and he was yep. speaking. And he had the ever-present cigar, like the Chief used to. Love it. And when he spoke, he was a storyteller nonpareil. I mean, no, he was fabulous. I remember, I remember sitting there going, I'd like to tell stories like that. I mean, just because he was so Captivating, good. right? He was. He, he, he could reel you in. And then he hits you with that left hook at the end. It yep. was hilarious. Yep. <laughs> the awesome. old Ranger. So we're going to talk it. to Kathleen Mansfield. Big Wolf show Lady. today. Yes, we got a big show today. We got more coming at you all here in the locker room. Wolf Starks and the Ninjas. Wesley Euler sitting in for the great Max Starks. We'll be back after this. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Shotgun snap, throws for the end zone, and it is a touchdown. Deontay Johnson from 23 out, and the Steelers finally get on the board. Well, you know, that was from two years ago because last year... (laughs) 
DeAndre oh, come on, score. don't remind me. I'm just saying, you know, it it was the Wait. big zero, which was incredible because for such an incredibly talented and gifted wide receiver as, as Deontay, I mean, that famine of not entering into, you know, as my brother Ron likes to say, there's no dirt like pay dirt. Well, he never got to pay dirt. Yeah. All it, right? And that's, that, that you talk about something that, like, it's mind-numbing. It really is. And, you know, it's funny. I almost made a joke like, oh, wait, Deontay didn't score a touchdown last year? I didn't realize that because it's not like everyone has mentioned it for the last oh, six I months. Oh, I know. But, but it's, it's, it's become something that gets brought up so regularly uh, in Steelers circles, I think because of what you just touched on, that it's shocking a guy that talented who still had a good amount of receptions and yards and everything last year, right? It's not that he fell off the face of the earth. It's not that he had some big injury. Just – you know, weird things happen in football, and one of those was him not scoring a touchdown last year. You know, he got tackled inside the five-yard line a few times. He was close. Um, but, but no cigar. I tell you what, I mean, the anomaly that that is, I can only imagine, you know, if someone would have came to you before the season and said, I'll give you 100 to 1 odds that Deontay Johnson doesn't score a touchdown this year. You know what I mean? You would have oh, been absolutely. like, you'd have been like, you're crazy. Like, no, I'm not giving you $5 for that bet to return me $500 because he's going to score a touchdown. A- absolutely. Um, I do not expect that to be the case at all this year, Mr. Wolfley. In fact, yeah. I hope one of those first two games, Deontay does get a touchdown and kind of just gets that out, you know, clears that air in that regard. And not that he's going to be distracted by it or anything, but it'll be something that continues to get brought up by fans, by media, well, by, here's the by thing. everyone. Here's the thing. You know, we're all human out there. You know, as, as, as much as the armor and the gridiron and all the toughness and things of that nature, you know, everybody's still – a human being at his core. And then there's maybe a couple guys I could name that, you know, you kind of go, well, I'm not really sure. But the, the, the fact of the matter is we've known Deontay to have episodes of periodic dropsies, okay? And and believe you me, uh, Deontay, I hope you're not listening, okay? Don't listen to any of this because I'm a big fan. First of all, I'm a big fan and don't want to give you the heebie-jeebies about anything. So so turn us off or whatever. You know, be in the meetings. Don't put on DV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, periodically he ha- he's had sure, these drops. Sure. It, does, it does get into your, your in a bug in your crawl a little bit, so to speak. And so I'm hoping that when the San Fran boys come here, DJ just has a lights-out game. Yeah. You know, get off to a good start. Because the longer you hang around and you're wondering, you know, am I ever going to score a freaking touchdown again? Mm-hmm. Get Zooks, man. You know, let's get it done with. And then everything just seems to, to cruise on. I mean, this guy is so vastly talented. It just can't be something that buggerates him. I think everything you said there is spot on. You know, even the most mentally strong and disciplined athletes in today's era, you're going to hear what people are saying about you. I yeah, mean, it's just there's help it. there's a million TV channels and radio stations and podcasts and 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 you know newspapers and online outlets. The 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 coverage of sports nowadays is twenty four seven three sixty five. You can get it anywhere and everywhere. It's a lot easier. I, I used to work with a guy when I was out in Philadelphia, Ike Reese, who was a linebacker for the Eagles and the Falcons for a while. Uh, was on the Eagles team that lost to Tom Brady with Andy Reid in the Super Bowl. You know, back okay. in two thousand three right, right. or, or whenever that was. And he got drafted. He went to Michigan State. He got drafted by the Eagles in 98 or 99. And he said, Jeremiah Trotter picked me up at the airport, right? He was like my mentor. And he told me, don't read the newspapers and don't listen to WIP, which was the sports talk radio station (laughs) in Philadelphia. And Ike was like, 
man, I don't know what to tell these guys now. Because for me, if I ignored the newspapers and I didn't listen to the radio, the, the sports talk radio station, I could stay away from the criticism. I could, I could get away from it when I had a bad game, when we lost a game we shouldn't have lost. He's like, but now it's all over these guys' phones. It's all over the TV. It's all over the radio. It's everywhere. So even for the most mentally disciplined athletes, that can still have an effect on you. That can still get to you. And I'm with you. I think if you were able to come out against San Francisco and maybe they're, you know, doing the googly eyes at George Pickens and, man, we've seen this guy and him and Kenny and what they've been doing. We can't let George Pickens beat us. We can't let George Pickens beat us. Fine. Let Deontay be the star of that game. You know what I mean? Uh, But I'm with you. I hope San Francisco, that Monday night game, week two, both of those home games against the Browns, Deontay has solid performances, scores a touchdown or two, really gets that crowd behind him, and just gets that feel-good confidence back to you know to hit this hit the ground running this season. You know, Deontay uh, was rated by the ESPN slash 538.com crew. They rank DJ. They, they somehow have some ranking system about wide receivers getting open, and he's a top five guy. You know, and his route running is his separation is unbelievable. That's the it's point. Unbelievable. That's the point. When you watch his film and you there's a couple things that stand out. If you press him, he's got a couple of great releases. And it reminds me of the of uh, Antonio Brown because I will say this, no matter what you think about Antonio Brown, here's the deal. I remember this guy was like the karate kid. You know, one of the best wide receivers oh, I mean, ever. He would practice his hand releases on the sidelines at practice all by himself on air. He was you know, worth he was worth going out to training camp just to, just to watch him for the his day. Work, his work ethic was unbelievable, incredible, and he was like he was like uh, Danielson with you know Mr. Miyagi. Oh, no, he would sit the, yes, wax off, and you would see him doing his his hand movements that he's using to trap the hands of the press corner over him, and how he would release, and he would do that over and over and over again on air. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I see the same sort of thing with Deontay, his ability to release, and then. The second part of it is, like you said, his ability to create separation at the top of the route. It's, it's when he stems, incredible. Yes, and he has that. He's got everything going for him from the the shake and bake. He's got that lean, you know, the veteran lean where you lean and that hand goes to the hip and you get a little, you know, just a little encouragement. You know, <laughs> a little down encouragement. low. But he, he doesn't. He doesn't get that arm out straight no, like no, a, no. a stiff arm. You know, it's just a little encouragement uh, to pressurize the opposing cornerback's hips so that they float by him on, on a stop route. Or he's, he's able to stack the that cornerback on a go route, you know, because mm-hmm. he's not the fastest guy. Yet how many times do you see him get on top of a guy? Those are the things that you look at this and you go, man, that's something. That's real. That's working your craft at a high level. Wolf, there is, you know, something to be said for the George Pickens style of wide receiver. Where Kenny Kenny knows anytime I throw it up to this guy, he's got at least a 50-50, maybe a 70-30 chance to come down with it. Yeah, maybe even an 80. Maybe 80, an 80-20. Maybe 85-35 or something like that. Maybe, well, my well, math, I know. My listen, math. don't yeah, go back to your mind. Syracuse okay, days of yeah. skipping math class. All right, I've told you before. I only ever took one math <laughs> class at WVU, so don't make me go there either. Um, there's there's something to be said about that George Pickens type, right? That, that, that uh, you know, Megatron or T.O. Yes. or Randy Moss, those guys who just made, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. had yep. a knack for that. Those guys who just made the insane, how did he do that, 50-50 catch. But I tell you what, a quarterback's best friend is a guy that's a route runner like Deontay Johnson. 
because you don't ben have talked about it you, back in the day. You don't have to have that faith. It's great to be Kenny and be able to say, I'm going to throw this up for George because I know 70, 80 percent of the time he's going to come down with it. But it's better to look at Deontay and go, oh, my goodness, look at that. Look how wide open he is. You know, Moats talks about this a lot. Um, and, you know, because Moats does JMU, a few JMU games this year, a year as well, right, too. So right. he's, he's pretty dialed into college football as well. Can you imagine how live-wired he must be on oh the air goodness. during a game? they got to keep him off, off the caffeine Well, first of for, all, he's a Hall of Famer for JMU Hall of Famer. He certainly is. You know? You know, it's funny. Rob, I was doing the postgame with Rob King a couple weeks ago. Another great one. Yes, uh, the Kinger. And, Rob, and, and Kinger's daughter goes to JMU. And he was telling me, he was like, I was just down there last week moving her in. He's like, Arthur Motes' face is everywhere. <laughs> I said, hey, when you donate some money to the school, that's, that's what happens, baby. Um, King of media down there. That's right. But Motes talks about this a lot with Deontay Johnson. Like, in college football, for a wide receiver being open, and I use open with air quotes, right? You're talking a yard, two, three yards of separation. Exactly. That's college open. That's collegiate open. Right. And the NFL, if you get half a yard, that's open. That's open. And he's like, but with Deontay Johnson, he looks college open out there against that's NFL. That's a great point. Against NFL, that's what Moat says all the time. Like, I don't think people understand. This is a dude who gets college open in the National Football League. And you just, there's there's maybe four or five guys that can do that every single year. I'm not saying the George Pickens go up and circus catch and, oh, my goodness, how did he come down with that? I'm talking cerebral route runners who can make NFL defensive backs look like they, they're lost to get that one, two, three yards of separation that you rarely see. And that's what Deontay, I, I know, like you said, the drops sometimes. I know people, uh, you know, say that after he catches the ball, he runs backwards too often. Like, there's some little intricacies to his game. I know that, that Steelers fans, you know, want to pull their hair out about or whatever. And he can but, always get better. And he can always get yeah. better. But I'm telling you, there are very few guys, I'm saying you can count them on your fingers, that run routes in the National Football League like he does. And when you're a young quarterback like Kenny, and even as you mentioned, the veteran Ben Roethlisberger towards the end of his career, that is such a gift. That is such a whoopee to have a wide receiver that you know is going to consistently separate and, and, and get open like that. You, you you hallucinated absolutely correctly there, my friend. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, because when you watch him, you put on the film, just sit down and get an end zone copy and watch him and isolate as much as you can on him anytime that he gets in a matchup. Because he is a master with the head shoulder fakes, it's, it's with impressive. his hand movements and evading the press. He's not a big guy. He's not a four-two guy. Right. But yet he he's is not one, Calvin Austin. That's right. He's not Justin Jefferson. But you'll see him stack guys on a go route. You'll see him say bye bye to the stop route guys as they run by because he's given them, you know, the indication that he's trying to stack them. And then boom, you know, when he cuts, he he does so at a hard degree. You know, when he cuts an out cut. He doesn't leave room for a defender to undercut him. I mean, he just does those things naturally that, well, not naturally, through hard work. Right. You know, that you really appreciate because you're seeing a craftsman. You know, we talk about the toolkit of an offensive lineman, how you're always working on the run blocking, the pass protection, all those things, your kick step, your punch, breaking it down, those things. But for a wide receiver, it is those isolation movements that free you and, and get you to where the quarterback expects you. Right. And one of the things that, that I think people overlook is, you know, there is a GPS in, innate in each of us, okay? you got to be a certain place for that quarterback. And 
people sometimes when that ball is snapped, people get lost. Their GPS goes. It's like when I came to Pittsburgh. You can't get there from here. You know what I mean? That's directionally. <laughs> Wait, hold people on. I got to cross three rivers. Yeah, and well, six what? and a half bridges. What I, I, you know, but but it's going to take me thirty minutes to get to this place that's two miles away. What are we doing? <laughs> exactly. But you know what? He's one of those guys that is able. He's dialed in, and like you said, he's he's very quarterback friendly. And so that's one of the things. That's a good. That's the, always, that's the way to put it. QB friendly. Yes. Always remember. You know that that it's not always the most athletic, the most dynamic, what have you. That you got guys that you can depend on who are consistent in their trade craft, mm-hmm. where they're able to lose people, even when they're not the fastest of guys. And you got great respect for them because those guys just get it together. Okay, we're gonna go to break again. Remember, at the top of the hour, you got my sister-in-law Kathleen Mansfield, the daughter of the late great Ray Mansfield. Hall of Honor uh, recipient coming into uh, this year. He's going to be honored there, and I'm so excited for the Mansfield family. They're just great. So, all right, hang in there. we got another segment coming up right here with Wolf Starks and the Ninjas with Wesley Euler, the Wesley Euler edition. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, we're taking a little look around the NFL. I was perusing the, the borough is back. Joe Burrow. <laughs> the borough. The borough. That's right. Not B-U-R-R-O like in a yeah. All right, but you got the W on it. Joe Burrow is back at Bengals practice. For the first time this past week, uh, since suffering that calf injury early in training camp, if you remember, there was a lot of reports out. They showed him rolling out, and all of a sudden he started hobbling. Yeah, they were saying he, he might miss the first few weeks of the season. You know, I think their bye week is week five or week six. Some people were saying just hold him out. Until, remember Jamar Chase, the talented wide receiver, was yeah. one of those guys. Was like, let's just hold him out until the bye week. We'll, yeah. we'll be fine. Hey, I guess when you've had the success that they've had over the last two years, you kind of think, oh, we'll, we'll be in the playoffs no matter what. I don't know if you could afford to lose Joe Burrow for five or six I, games if you're Cincinnati. Yeah, I don't I don't see that at uh, all. And the, and the way you the know. division and the conference are this year, I mean, you might need 11 wins to get into the playoffs. You know, I, I think for Cincinnati's sake, they better hope he's ready to go next weekend. No question about it. I mean, barring setbacks, they're saying Burrow should be on track for week one versus the Browns. But, the, you know, f- for a team that is so Burrow-centric, oh I mean, goodness. come on. Absolutely. I mean, think and about last year, just when, you know, he didn't go in preseason at all. Did nothing. Yes. And had the appendectomy, right, in, in yeah. training camp. So he had to, he had to like, sit for two – like, wasn't allowed contact for two or three weeks after getting his appendix removed, right, had that surgery. And you saw that in the opening game of the season. Oh, man, did you see that? He had, he had what, four interceptions? Ridiculous Something amount. Something like that. Uh, Minka remember. had to pick six. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, and if, if you're Cincinnati – and you're going to not put a lot of emphasis on training. Well, and, and to be fair, I mean, you can't control an appendectomy, right? You can't control a, no, ca- you can't control no. a calf injury. But remember, none of their offensive linemen but, but for one that had too. played any any preseason. And, you know, if, if, you, if that's going to be your case, you better have everybody, you know, like you better have all hands on deck week one because it's probably going to be, you know, week three or week four before you really start getting that thing moving, and you've got no time to waste. Like, I feel like the Patriots used to always do that, Wolf. They would rest everybody throughout the preseason. 
their first two or three games of the year, they lo- wouldn't look great, right? right and all the show, all the shows would be going, oh, this is it for Tom Brady. This is it for Bill Belichick. Here they go. They're finished. And then we'd look up and they'd be in the AFC championship game, right? right? If you, But, it, like, that's a dangerous game to play. Belichick and Brady, when you're as great as those two were, they got away with it for a long time. And, and they were also in a pretty bad division for a while that allowed them to, to, start, sure. to start late. Yeah. But yeah, if you're Cincinnati, I mean, you've gotten away a little. Like last year, the, the Bengals, I think, started one and two. You know, they weren't great in their first three games, and then they rattled off a huge long win streak. Um, but the Burrow is, yeah, obviously. I mean, he's the straw that stirs that drink, to say the least. He certainly does. I can't even imagine you'd be like, uh, you know, thinking about doing anything else about it. You know, I mean, the fact is, the dude is. Uh, He's great. He, well, yes. He I mean, and, I know we hate, again, it's one of those, I know we shouldn't be saying nice things about well, you Cincinnati. Got Higgins, right? You got Jamar Chase, <laughs> yeah. you know, you got all. Uh, uh, they've they've uh, got a know. great offense. You know, they um, they add the left tackle, who's now, uh, Orlando Brown Jr. now to the mix yeah. there as well, too. They've really revamped that offensive line. So lost a little bit on defense um, as they start to pay some of these guys on offense and everything. You know, Jesse Bates is no longer there. The very talented safety who'd been a mainstay of that secondary for a while. I like um, that guy. That guy was he's great. one of those guys that come up and he played the run so very well. Yeah, no, he was, I, I think, in, I say was, like, he, I mean, he still is, I think, one of the more underrated safeties in, in the entire league. Um, but, yeah, you're going to have to score some points if you're Cincinnati. You need that offense to be one of the best in the league. And um, I tell you what, that's a that's a juicy matchup to start the season. The battle really of Ohio is. there between the Browns and that. You know what, too, for the Browns, that's like you get Cincinnati, probably your second. Where biggest, are they playing it? Is that home or away? That game is in Cleveland. I in believe. Cleveland, yeah. Um, it, you know, if you're Cleveland, you host the Bengals week one, which is an emotional get up for it AFC North rivalry game, and then you got to go to Pittsburgh, an emotional get up for it AFC North rivalry game. That's I tell you what, that's smoking a, that's a out smoking start for the Browns. There, you can either be feeling really good about yourselves, or oh no, here we go again. You know, I remember in '89 when the Browns came in and just beat the tar out of us, fifty-one to nothing. Yeah, you know, not, that, not that you recall that vividly oh, at all. I'm trying to remember. There was like there was like seven or eight turnovers in that game. I mean, we just. Every time, every time I looked around, we were chasing somebody else who had another Brown the that had the skin ball. Was on the carpet. Yeah, it was, it was always going the other way, you know. Wait a second. I mean, it was just so bad. And then, and then to come in in the very next week and go into Cincinnati and 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 lose forty five to ten. And on the way home, we're like going, "Well, we got better. We, you know, we we scored some points this week. We didn't score any in the first week, and we held them from fifty one. We knocked them down to forty five. You know, that gallows humor that you're sitting there going, yeah, you know, those moments you're sitting there thinking, this is impossible. I mean, how could we get be so bad like that? You know, and I'll never forget there was that grim determination in the third week three with the Vikings coming in who were two and oh and were just killing everybody. And everybody said we were gonna get killed. And this is why I love the game. You know, because no matter what the odds are, you always got a fighting chance. If you are not to be deterred, as, as Bill Coward. That's right. If you are not uh, Bill Coward deterred about what you're facing and when you step into some <laughs> stadium there, you can overcome. You just don't know because the level of talent that every club has, when you rise to the occasion and when you put things together the way you're supposed to, meaning execution, you know, people talk about, Matt Canada and this and that. Yeah, Zooks, you think Tom Moore wasn't under extreme pressure? You know, I mean, you know, you, you put up yeah, 10 points in two games. 
while the opposition is putting up almost 100 points in two it's games? It's not great. No, it's not good at all. The pressure, I can't, I can't the pressure imagine, is ginormous. I can't imagine the citizens The citizens were very uh, were very pleased. I remember for three weeks, Tunch and I were doing, doing drive-thrus. <laughs> you just go drive-thru. Just keep your head down. Just keep moving, you know. Just order, you know, go to Wendy's. Yeah, you're not stopping. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not the mayor of town at that point, are you? No, you just kind of like you get ball cap is pulled down. (laughs) You got your sunglasses on. You know, you you just kind of, kind of, you know, jack a jacket up while you're trying to get your coffee to avoid the, you know, avoid the scrutiny. (laughs) That's it, man. All right, we're gonna go to break. That's a wrap on the first hour. Now, listen, we've got somebody special coming up. My sister-in-law, Kathleen Mansfield. She and my brother Dale have five kids, but she is the oldest daughter of the old Ranger, Ray Mansfield, a legend in Pittsburgh Steelers lore, a Hall of Honor recipient. Um, it's a great honor, and uh, we are thrilled to have her. This is gonna be so good. She's gonna give us some. We're gonna talk a little memories of what the Ranger was all about, and we gotta ask her. How did he get the nickname Ranger? Well, all that and more when we come back in the locker room.